0: Hello and welcome to Transition Tea, the podcast dedicated to demystifying the world of transition and activation planning. I'm your host, Christina Oliveria, Director of Business Development and Communications and a Senior Project Manager at Yellow Brick Consulting. Happy New Year. We're so excited to bring you a new season of our Transition Tea podcast. And to kick off this year, we actually have Teal Heath, a principal at Equinox Healthcare IT Incorporated with us today to kick off our 2023 season. Teal, great to see you again. Um, I know we've worked together in the past. How has life been treating you since Loma Linda?
1: Life is good. I'm looking forward to doing this. Thank you very much for having me.
0: All right. Well, we're really excited, and we really appreciate you being on today. Teal and I are actually going to be enjoying some super ginger, not just regular ginger, super ginger tea by David's Tea. And Teal, are you a tea drinker regularly? Yes, definitely. Every mm-hmm. morning. I. We were just discussing prior. Um, I love ginger, so this is a delicious tea. Highly recommend it. Um, what do you think of it? I love it as well. It's a nice
1: change to my normal. PG tips or morning (laughs) breakfast tea. It's a nice treat. Thank you. Yes.
0: All right. Well, listeners, grab your own beverage and let's talk transition. Teal, before we get started into all of the topics that we're going to cover today, I'd love for you to introduce Equinox and your background um, to our listeners. Sure.
1: I am Teal Heath. I work for a healthcare IT consulting firm called Equinox. Equinox specializes in every technology aspect associated during hospital construction, aspects like the technology budget, technology resources, and um, very much in the technology installation arena.
0: And for those interested in a career in healthcare IT, um, can you share how you got involved in IT project management? It really is such, important role in all of our projects nowadays?
1: Yeah, my story is pretty simple. I just out of high school went directly into nursing school. And as a young nurse, I was recruited into the hospital IS department. I think the thought process was that it'd be more straightforward to teach a clinician technical things than teach a technologist clinical things. And so I did make that switch and I loved it. I finished my um, master's degree in IS and technology, and I've worked in that healthcare vertical ever since and picked up various project and program management certifications along the way.
0: I think having a clinical background is probably something I did not know about you, and that is incredible because I think it gives you such great insight into these projects. They're super complex. Having a clinical perspective probably gives you some ideas of the anxiety folks face when the new technology is presented on these projects. So very interesting. Um, We're both aware of technology's role in healthcare. You can't shy away from it. It's a part of it nowadays. Goes hand in hand. Um, almost everything nowadays has some form of integration, whether it be nurse call, a lot of our monitoring devices, our imaging devices. I would love for you to share a little bit about where IT was maybe 20 years ago, where it is today, and where you see it going in the healthcare industry.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, when I left the clinical environment for IT, if you walked into a hospital, there were phones everywhere, phones everywhere. And you would see PCs and printers at nurses stations, but primarily where the unit secretary sat. There were PCs and printers in business offices and in some clinical departments like lab and imaging, but nurses primarily did their work and charted their work on physical paper charts. Um, fast forward to now, you're right, um, every hospital department, and I do mean everyone, um, relies on just not the infrastructure and network or devices, but they rely on the software that's installed required to support their day-to-day way of working, whether you're a clinician, whether you're just in general hospital operations or in the billing department, every operational function lives on some technology that's provided by the IT department and not just infrastructure and devices, but software.
0: You know, well. uh, I, I have to say, I have a question for you because I just thought of it as I was going through and I did not share this question with you, but a lot of the risks that we're seeing now that we're planning for have to do with potential risks from the IT, you know, malware, et cetera. Um, what do you think of those risks? Are hospitals responding to cases we've seen over the last couple of years?
1: Absolutely. If you're talking about the risk for cybersecurity, there are specialized teams that proactively look for plan for and have a response to the risks associated with cybersecurity definitely it's very smart people in the department that specialize in that function
0: yes i attended a seminar a couple months ago and they were talking about that and i i didn't even really consider if your whole it system was taken over what impact that would have on the hospital so it, It's a huge risk that I think folks are now beginning to include in their risk assessment. It's Um, a very
1: scary proposition, and it's more frequent um, all the time.
0: Yes, yes. We certainly have seen it. I know some of our past clients have um, been preparing for it as well. Um, Healthcare facility projects often take a long time to design and then construct and then obviously go through the transition and activation from that period of design all the way to construction can be a long, long period. And then you add that couple years of transition, um, the infrastructure that was originally designed for the space may not support IT because from what I understand, folks typically purchase their IT devices later in that life cycle. Um, What are some considerations folks need to take into account when designing a new healthcare space? Sure, hospital
1: construction projects do span multiple years between, um, the fastest I think we've ever been involved is 18 months to sometimes three, four and five years. So they, they do take time and the planning for that is very important. We talked about hospitals 20 years ago and fast forwarded to today and that every department has some sort of software that sits in a space where they can perform their day-to-day operational work. Well, since that's been the case, integration has become paramount. So the software systems, seeing and sharing information back and forth or integration has become paramount. And that is also the case for um, hospital construction projects. So, with hospital construction projects spanning over the years with the right real estate, IT departments have gotten very good at planning the infrastructure, the network, the, you know, cloud computing requirements that are necessary to bring up a new hospital and to take that hospital into the distant future. They're really good at the infrastructure network and that sort of planning. Um, And it can scale and support future technologies like IOT or digitization or AI for the foreseeable future. And so that's one component of it. And that's what's typically most visible to people in construction is that hardware or physical side of things. And IT departments are usually pretty good with that. Where we get into some more of the complexities is in that software space and the integration space, the software sharing information with one another. And that is sort of the planning now that gets tripped up or um, maybe not as solidly planned for because it's less visible to most of the people on the construction team.
0: IT project managers, whether they be internal or consultant, um, their role differs when it comes to new facility activation projects. Can you probably describe some of the similarities and maybe some of the key differences between day-to-day IT running a hospital and then an IT project manager that's dedicated to new facility activation?
1: Sure, you know, IT departments are commonly perceived as the black box, um, construction teammate on construction projects. But if if you know and understand IT departments, we, we grew up in IT departments, the way we do, you know that IT departments themselves are uniquely complicated. And they consist of several, sometimes dozens of different teams are the makeup of a individual IT department, and the people in those teams, like cybersecurity, they're highly specialized. These people have experience, education, and a skill set that allows them to work on the individual team that they're a part of in the IT department. And you mentioned. Um, differentiating IT project managers with infrastructure focus and IT project managers with more of an application software and integration focus. Um, IT departments take all of those teams and aggregate their work into ops and support and typically portfolio. Mm -hmm. Ops and support is the area in the IT department that takes the user's calls. They're busy putting in upgrades, enhancements. Um, and maintaining the day-to-day work required portfolio are all the projects on the docket. And construction is one or a handful of hundreds of different projects typically in that IT portfolio. And so you have people working in an IT department in operational capacity supporting day-to-day maintenance of users. And then you have project managers who are typically Um, have a skill set of either infrastructure and applications, some have both, and the portfolio project managers pull from the resources in ops and support, so not only are the ops people day to day working, doing all their work, they provide resources to the project team as well. And no one in an IT department will go untouched by a project like a construction project. And so that's the difference from an IT perspective of ops and support and construction projects, how they live in an IT department and then how they commingle to deliver on new technologies, or in this case, a
0: new hospital. I think the analogy of black box is a really good one because many of us who don't interact on these, on you know. For a, for a living, you know, really view, you know, either the help desk or something, and there's somebody that responds, I don't know who, and everyone's IT, right, IT this, IT that, but I love the fact that you point out that everyone does have a specialty, and everyone's uniquely trained, whether it be informatics, or applications, or EMR build out, um, it's important for teams when they're building this transition plan to understand all of those resources will need to be included. And I think a great resource that we've been using to interact with those teams early on are these tabletop events. Um, mm-hmm. I know you, you're working on a project with us where we're using those and they really are department specific sessions where users get to get a good idea of what their workflows are gonna be ahead of time before they're actually in the space and it's been really beneficial to have folks like you and representatives from the IT team there to really talk about things, talk about planned integration, planned systems, et cetera. Um, Can you provide some of those ideas of integration that is planned to impact workflows on the clinical side, some of the integrations that you can think of and um, the difference between things that technology could do and things that you know it's supposed to do from a purchasing perspective?
1: Sure. Since we grew up in IT departments and understand the different teams and when they engage, um, whether the technology is an existing technology that they're using day to day or it's a new functionality that's going to be part of the construction project because we know the players. And their specialties, we're able to bring the IT people to the table with the clinical or operational or billing leads. And together, we plan for conduct workflow mapping, talk about what functionalities they have today, talk about the new technology that's in scope for the project, and they together plan the rebuild, retest, retrain redeployment of the software that will sit on and or overlay their new mapped workflow um, in their newly constructed space. And um, this doesn't just help with getting them on board and being an active participant in the planning for the technology tools that are going to be in the new space. It also creates a really firm bridge for when the hospital opens, that goal life support, they know the people, they know how it was meant to work, and goal life support and ongoing maintenance is simplified in a great way um, if done right on the construction projects with workflow mapping.
0: Yeah, that partnership is so important, and having that trust that IT knows what they're talking about and the clinical users feel comfortable with that really does provide a seamless transition into that new space. Um, So once the keys are turned over to the owner, I think that's really when the real magic happens from the IT side, right? All of a sudden work's happening in the building, we're getting the space ready for day one. Um, From an IT perspective, you're usually waiting for certain things to happen. There's an order to the fit up or building readiness period as folks call it. Can you share what that order is in terms of getting a space ready for go-live once that fit-up phase begins?
1: Absolutely. We we rely heavily on two different things. One, uh, the experience of having worked on and managing multiple end-to-end hospital technology components for new construction builds. That experience, then second, the second thing we rely heavily on is an integrated platform that we've developed that has all of those different projects in a software platform that we use to help manage our own workflow, our own um, mapping. And so you're right. There's a point before you get the keys or a certificate of occupancy, um, different projects call it different things. There are things the IT department can do and install. And we try to do as much as possible. We do do as much as possible until that turnover so that when we do get the keys, as you call it, Solstice Key helps us with deployment plans. So, solstice key allows us the ability to overlap our work on top of an FF&E schedule hmm. so we know when furniture is going to be put in place um it helps us overlap onto a construction schedule so we're getting the max amount that we can get done before a certificate of occupancy and then it creates deployment plans after their certificate of occupancy so that good deployments um, can be taken care of efficiently and uh, effectively. We're not going back to the same area to install a device. Um, we know when the furniture is going to be there. And by floor, we can really get an effective and efficient deployment plan.
0: From um- a rollout perspective, is there a preferred method? You know, we see these big mega projects. Um, Is it floor by floor? Does it matter what type of technology you're rolling out? Is it a manpower um, resource issue? Is there an approach that you prefer? Like floor by floor is what I prefer or rolling out each specific item all at once or does it really vary from project to project?
1: That's a good question. And it will vary from project to project. You can imagine that construction sometimes, even though it's post-certificate of occupancy, vary in where they're at with their installations. So we come after furniture and fixed equipment for IT devices that are on countertops like an office space or nurses' um, stations. And so we, do, our preference is just knowing what that FF&E schedule is, knowing what the, schedule, the construction schedule is. Oftentimes it is by floor. Sometimes it ends up being by department on a particular floor. We've gotten to where we can be pretty agile with Solstice Key and our deployment plans that we can estimate the amount of workflow by device placement, device type, and work with whatever the needs are going to be. Once those devices are in place, we also have a technical dress rehearsal tool that guides us through making sure all the devices, number one, have been not only placed, but on a network tested. They print and that they're ready for people like you when you come in and want to test out and plan Um, the use of those tools in a test environment prior to go live. Things are ready and operational and we can communicate with you. And sometimes that can help inform the transition plan as well.
0: That's incredible that you can estimate the resource and workflow, because I think that would be valuable data that healthcare leaders want as they're evaluating the overall status of the project. You spoke about technical dress rehearsal. I have to ask you, um, can you define to our users what a technical dress rehearsal is and then when is appropriate to have one um, sure. on the go life schedule?
1: Sure. So getting the devices, IT devices, whether it's a printer or a PC or some other uh, piece of IT-supported equipment unboxed and placed in the location where it will be used is, you know, not even really half of the work. Once the devices are in place, part of technical dress rehearsal is to verify that the device is accurately writing a network, configured to print to an appropriate printer within a clear approximation of where the device is. And then each device, depending on department, will have different software required to support the different functions. And so technical dress rehearsal, make sure that there's network connectivity, printing, the software that should be there is there. Users can access by logging on, and that functionality that they had prior to the new hospital opening is accessible to them and working properly in that new environment. That is technical dress rehearsal, and optimally it's done before any transition activities so that when you're bringing groups of clinicians or different people in the hospital into the space to practice their work so that it's as seamless as possible on first patient day or patient activation, we know that the tools they use are there and that they're functional. Did that answer your question?
0: Yes, I love the definition. I I had to ask because you definitely, I know we've spoken in the past, but. That really is the recommendation from us as well. And coordinating these activities outside any simulation events or training events because they are much different. And the overall objectives are so much different than a workflow validation from an end user perspective. So we really appreciate that definition.
1: Um, yeah, you, you know, Christy, to just kind of remind me of your initial question. You can sort of imagine what the scope looks and feels like in the older days where every single department and most components of their day-to-day work didn't live on software. Once you got the phone in place, once you got the printer in place and it turns up and it's on a network and prints, done, you know? That, <laughs> that is not the case anymore. That's what's visible to most people in construction, but a significant portion of the work occurs well after that, and behind the scenes, by people who are on the software and applications team and in the integration and testing teams, I would say two-thirds of the work happens after device deployment. And because construction, you know, sees what they see once mm-hmm. the devices are there, you know, it's commonly missed making sure that the devices function in a highly integrated and you know, complex way um, is more the charge now than it has been in the past.
0: No, I I definitely agree. And um, I definitely have gained so much appreciation for our IT friends through my years of experience working on as a transition consultant, because there is so much work. And I think sometimes people underestimate just the sheer volume of applications and networks and devices and all these little things that are impacted by a new project. You don't even really, can't even create the giant list because you just don't even recognize it all because it's just, this is how my day works now. So why doesn't it work like that in the new hospital? I teach so-
1: people, especially in healthcare, are smart and they're hard workers and they oftentimes know what their job is. Um, and like we spoke about earlier, no one will in the IT department will go untouched by a project like this. No. Not one. And so even the help desk or the customer service center, think about it. They have to know all the nuance and new things going into that new hospital. Not one team will be untouched by a project like this. So I have that same admiration for people who work in IT. They, may, they make this stuff happen.
0: They really do, um, you know. As I we're closing out a project right now, um, almost almost to day one, and I think a lot of the IT items every day we're getting a report out from them, and um, you know they're they are making the magic happen so that patients have that integration. The status boards are working, the TVs are functioning, the phone rings where it's supposed to. All everything is, is so tied to IT nowadays. Um, as consultants, I think one of the hardest things for me is kind of letting folks do their job as the project winds down. You, as Equinox, you're so integrated into that team. I've seen you on site um, and the work your teams do with the IT leaders with healthcare projects. What point do you start saying, IT help desk? This is now your job.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Transition to Ops can be a tricky thing. Equinox, as we've talked about before, we're lucky to have the experience of multiple repetitive projects. And so that experience allows us to Kaizen or constantly improve on our own processes. And that includes our integrated software platform, Solstice Key. So the way we handle preparing for transition to ops is we coordinate with the different IT teams to have an IT command center. Um, this is a location where IT players staff the command center. We help them know what players are going to be needed when to support first patient day or activation. We help them channel calls on uh, first patient day to the command center. And we have IT players at the elbow of the people they support in the hospital. So when the hospital opens, calls are channeled through this IT command center. We have people at the elbow of our users to help them with the support calls that come in. And then gradually after a day or two, when those calls reduce in count, or severity to what looks like a normal day-to-day operational call center, the IT command center will sunset and all of the user calls will just be channeled through the customer service center or the help desk per their normal um, operating procedure. And so we help coordinate the IT Command Center, make sure it's staffed, have a plan that helps them channel the calls and prioritize them. There's a mechanism to make sure users have support from people at the elbow. We have criteria through solstice key, depending on the project size and complexity that we can help recommend, either reducing the staff in the IT Command Center and eventually sunsetting the IT Command Center and removing ourselves and having a transition to ops. When that command center closes, Christina, we consider that facility transition to ops. And then we break away and we wrap up punch list items, start closing documents, start wrapping up and reconciling technology budgets. And the hospital and the IT departments support themselves in an operational environment like any one of the other hospitals they have up and running.
0: I always think it's incredible going to a hospital the day after a patient move. Um, And it's like we weren't ever planning for a patient move. Everything's running. Folks seem calm. Um, It's incredible how quickly operations just takes over from that transition period. So thank you for that summary. You're welcome. Um, Well, my favorite part of the podcast is about to begin. And that is an opportunity for our listeners and myself to get to know you a little bit better through some quick questions about TEAL. What do okay. you say? You ready?
1: Let's do it, yeah.
0: Okay, here we go. So we'll start easy. New year, new me. What's your 2023 <laughs> New Year's resolution?
1: Um, I definitely have business resolutions and goals that I want to achieve. Personally, my goal every year is a very nice travel trip somewhere to learn and see something new and uh, meet new people.
0: Have you identified the location this year or still yes. mapping it out?
1: No, I'm I'm a project planner by nature. So it's pretty well <laughs> mapped out through the end of the year. Where are you going? <laughs> it's a gift and it's a curse. Um, we're doing Egypt in um, um, what? November.
0: How fun, I know Kelly was trying to go this year. So, so fun very very fun yeah, and egypt um, the are you going go to go the pyramids the full egypt experience yes we're
1: doing a river cruise and so there will be you know the the whole gamut of all things egypt and oh that'll be cruises so actually fun. down the nile and so that by itself sounds romantic and wonderful to me
0: Oh well, that's a good one. Um, your favorite winter activity? We're in the middle of winter right
1: now. Yeah, we definitely are a skiing and snowboarding family. We're going this weekend, and uh, both of my girls um, snowboard, and we're involved in making sure our nephews and our one grandson they are Colorado kids. They have to know how to snowboard and ski. So that's definitely our favorite winter activity
0: sounds fun and a little bit dangerous and risky but fun nonetheless my um eldest went snowboarding and I think I had anxiety all day so um favorite animal and why oh I
1: love the critters dogs cats anything that I can have around and close I like <laughs> I've always had pets around the house so um, companionship kind of,
0: is why. what kind of pets do you have right now
1: Right now, I have my grand dog. It's my daughter's dog that we watch during the day. Um, be, otherwise, should be home alone quite a bit. And she is a pit bull. I think she's 13, kind of a little old lady dog. Yeah. And then, of course, I have a cat called Juno. And he's a teenage male and <laughs> thinks he runs things and, you
0: know. Animals are um, an important part of family. So I love the fact that you speak of them as such. Um, Go to snack. I think project managers run on snacks. Um, what's yours? Oh, I love popcorn and coffee
1: oh, and popcorn. coffee and probably more coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I've nursing been school to taught me to love coffee. Nursing school, I blame nursing school for teaching <laughs> me to love coffee. And then... You know, just quick and mobile snack popcorn is usually pretty good for me.
0: Popcorn is delicious. Those are good ones. Um, Okay. The book I would recommend to somebody or the book I recommend to everybody is? Oh, my gosh. I
1: love reading. Um, I belong to a book club. How about um, Giraffes Go West? That's one of the recent we've read. And it's about the first giraffes that arrived in America, the story of them crossing the sea to get here and their eventual relocation from a port in New York to
0: uh, San Diego, the San Diego Zoo. I just wrote it down. I love listening to books. I I can't say I do any more like physical reading anymore, but I wrote it down. So readers, make sure to get Giraffes Go West. Okay, we're gonna jump into some IT questions. Mac or PC?
1: Well, you know, that that depends on, we <laughs> do both. We do both. Academic environments, um, you need to be able to do Mac and support iPhone type products. Um, but all day, every day, PC device.
0: I have to you know, agree with you, I like PC. I think I was raised on a PC and I have just never transitioned since. Um, your favorite phone app? Audible.
1: I like Audible a lot. I used to have a lot of windshield time. Now I have a lot of airplane time. And, uh, you know, I, I try to make good use out of that time with either reading a book or listening to a book. So Audible,
0: I, I think it'd be my go-to. Audible is one of my favorites. We got introduced to one, and I don't know if you've Um, used it, but we've been using it on our projects. It's called Google Keep. Our new senior project manager, Jen Prom, introduced it. And it's like a checklist that you can do um, while you're collaborating with other people. So we've been doing it like for floor checks and other items. So it's great for work. Yeah. All right. Game-changing home gadget. And this is more of a personal question um, that everyone should have. I know the air fryer was popular last year
1: (laughs) oh I use my rice cooker all the time a lot of people don't know that you can use your rice cooker for soups oatmeal um, to saute to steam rice cookers they do it all and I probably use mine most days
0: yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about using it. And I have a rice cooker. You know, we buy all these gadgets. I don't think we have places to put them. I think they're like, you know, shelved some, <laughs> somewhere. All right. And um, lastly, from a technology trend, what is something that's exciting you that you're seeing, you know, come about on either projects or you're reading about?
1: I'm very excited about advanced intelligence some refer to as artificial intelligence and digitization. Um, Patient engagement is a thing that should be near and dear to all of our hearts because as human beings, sooner or later, we're gonna be a consumer in the hospitals that we're building and the technologies we're providing. And So if it can make things simpler, more straightforward or ease anxiety or unknown for patients, I'm all in. And patient engagement. Um, I think will help get us there.
0: I, I love that you said that we were we were had the pleasure of working on a project um, about almost two years ago, and they it's a children's hospital. And you know, kids love video games. It was for MRI Suite. And they developed this VR experience to explain to the child what to expect, but did it in a way that it kind of was video game like, mm-hmm. um, which I agree with you really does ease anxiety because these machines seem scary. And kids, especially, they don't know what to expect. And parents, we're anxious. So, great example. Super neat. All right, Teal. Well, thank you so much for being our first guest of 2023. Um, For those that want to learn more either about Equinox, have questions for you, is there a LinkedIn handle that they can connect with you on? Sure. You can
1: find us at Equinox Hit, Equinox Health IT.com. And or look for me, teal, like the color, heath, H-E-A-T-H, on LinkedIn. Um, Glad to connect. Thank you very much for your time.
0: It's been fun. Well, thank you so much, teal. And we thank you for being on our first episode of 2023. Our next episode promises to be just as exciting. We'll have another healthcare leader on to talk about best practices, share lessons learned, maybe some new technologies that are up and coming in healthcare. We thank you all for listening. If you want to hear more episodes like this one between me and Teal, you can certainly find us on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And if you actually wanna watch this episode, we have a YouTube page that has lots of fun videos of folks having conversations like this. So please check it out. Until next time, cheers.